Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the loud bitch, Caitlin Palufa. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't know that was what it was going to be, but I like it. All right. The loud no. bitch. Caitlin Palufo. <laughs> yeah, no words have been more accurate. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for having me. This is thrilling. Sorry for calling you a bitch within the first 10 seconds. It was Technically, awful. I told you to call me a bitch, so <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> what if I just left the podcast? I was like, fuck this. <laughs> dare you this is so unprofessional <laughs> it's like street gaslighting yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <sighs> well now that we are we're all here uh let's dive right in tell us a little bit about you where are you from how'd you get started in comedy the whole shebang oh the whole shebang i am caitlin palufo i am a woman in her 30s i started comedy when i was 26 i think um i uh what, what else about me? I'm originally from San Francisco. Then I went to undergrad in San Diego. And then I went to grad school in New York City. And uh, I started comedy two years after I graduated grad school. Um, maybe three. I actually don't know. I have no idea. But I started in New York uh, doing comedy. And um, it was a very fast love. Um, I started, I went to like my first little Oh, what happened? This is a fun story. I uh, the, the reason I started, I always wanted to do it. I went through a breakup. I was very sad. OK, and I didn't know anything about comedy. So I just Googled how to do stand up comedy. And uh, what so sweet. Um, and uh, a free seminar came up saying, learn how to get started in stand up comedy. And I was like, well, this seems very informative. And so I went to that. And then at the end of that little seminar, they did a raffle prize and they raffled up a, a free class and they pulled my name out of the hat. So I had to do it. Um, so that's technically how I got started in stand-up comedy. Can I ask, wait, where was the show that they had the raffle? Uh, I was at the Lantern in the basement. Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it's still called the Lantern, but they used to have that basement room. That used to be a showroom and uh, it was awesome. It was really great. Uh, total fire hazard. Like everyone <laughs> would have died if there was a fire in that room. But um, other than that, uh, it was great. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was through Laughing Buddha. Oh, they do. Uh, yeah. 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 They've actually they asked me one time to go back and give the seminar. And I was like, well, isn't that beautiful? But I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I was busy, but uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. They were like, just tell us your experience about it. And I was just like, well, it was truly happenstance. So, <laughs> but yeah. But here you are now. Here I am. Doing comedy. Doing so a I, podcast, uh, baby. Yeah, now, now podcast celebrity. You've officially made it. Like this was the marker. This, yeah, this podcast. <laughs> I had a feel I was thrilled. I was just like, ooh, now this is an Instagram message. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well we're very happy to have you as as now a comedian um so you took the class I assume it went well what like 
were you immediately like, this is something I want to do professionally after taking the class? Or were you still kind of like shopping around? Like, how did you go from very new to comedy, Googling how it works student to like truly a comedian now? Well, the class for me helped a lot only because I am an academic. That's uh, the only world I knew. I went to undergrad, I went to grad school. So my brain was very sit down, take notes. Um, that was, that's just how my brain has always worked and it still works that way. Um, and, uh, so that helped a lot. And then going to that class and then they make you do open mics. Um, so you had to do like, I think two a week for this four week class. It wasn't a very long class. It was very short. And, um, so I started getting up at mics. I started making friends and then I, uh, my second open mic, I got my first big laugh and, uh, that'll change your whole world. Um, <laughs> like if you can get an entire room, what the first time you get an entire room to laugh in unison, you're just like, Oh my God, this is better than heroin. So <laughs> that's, that's what happened. I think that was the big game changer was getting that laugh. Um, and then it just became an obsession. I have an obsessive personality. I, um, so I just like, I'll start doing something and doing something. And it's right now is at the time where I'm like, oh, maybe I should take a day off and just not overdo it. But uh, so when I was starting out the first two years, I was doing like between 20 and 30 mics a week, just trying to get up all the time to get those reps in to just try and get better. And in my worldview, I was starting at 26. So I felt old. And so I was just like, well, I got to make up for lost time. And so, uh, cause everybody, usually I feel like people start between 22 and 25 and I was like a year late. Oh no. You know, but turns out it does not matter. <laughs> like you can start whenever, if you're funny, who gives a shit? Um, but it was, uh, so that's where the panic, I would say it's almost obsessive panic of just trying to get better. And it ended up helping me a lot with my stage presence, um, and joke writing. So that's great. Are you, yeah. you say you're very like academically geared and you mentioned you went to grad school. What did you go to grad school for? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I went to grad school um, for art, for studio art. I got my MFA at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. And um, yeah, I did photography, video and performance art. So very useful stuff, you know, really practical. That's what I went for. <laughs> As somebody who got a um, BFA in acting, I um, I understand. If you're real, like, I'm looking for a nice job out of college. That was mm -hmm. what it said. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to really pay off my student loans. Wink, wink. Yeah. It's <laughs> never going to happen. That's my debt until I'm dead. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. Um, So you're in the city. What was your, like, comedy life like pre-pandemic? Um, pre-pandemic was busy. I, uh, it was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. I loved it. Um, about six months before the pandemic, I was able to go full-time. Uh, I was able to quit my restaurant job and my art handling jobs. Um, I think I had like four jobs at one point because I do freelance and then I also bartended. Um, but I like at, right after I got Colbert, I was able to quit my, um, my restaurant job, which was very exciting. And then I started headlining more and then getting more club spots and hosting in the city. Um, and so then six months before I was just doing comedy. It was great. I was just living off of comedy, 
paying all my bills, including my student loans. And I know it was, it was insane. Of course I'm on that income based repayment plan. So it was like $135. Uh, (laughs) I was like, yeah, no, we're really making a dent. Uh, Not at all, but I was still able to pay all my bills. It was really exciting. I was running around at night. I was able to do writing in the day. I was, was really inspired. I was happy, excited. And then like a month before the pandemic, I, I felt like everything was standing still, you know, like I'd really, they call it a holding pattern. I was just in a holding pattern doing the same thing. And I was getting kind of depressed about it. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I was like, oh, you stupid little idiot. You should have just been <laughs> thrilled with your holding pattern. What a great holding pattern you had, you know, why'd you get all sad about it? Um, and uh, so, yeah. So then everything stopped and I had to go back to work and um, I had to, you know, go back to my freelance jobs and and I'm still doing those, still rocking them, you know, but uh, I'm getting back to a place uh, when the road comes back for me. Hopefully that's when I can quit again. Yeah, I mean, but again, I'm rooting for you to quit again. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Backtracking a little bit, you talked mm-hmm. about how you're on Colbert. This is an exciting mm-hmm. thing for us to talk about here on the podcast because, as you know, not everybody has done late night, and that's something a lot of comedians aspire to. Could you tell us a little bit about like how you ended up on Colbert and what that was like? And then we'll dive into the pandemic. But yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, Colbert was uh, changed my life. I would say, and uh, not. Not uh, in a way where I was just like, and then I became famous. That's not it. It just uh, opened a few more doors that would have been a lot harder to open um, when I uh, if when I didn't have it. So like the road work, it was easier to get feature and some headlining work uh, with Colbert and also club work. I was able to send a tape that they would be like, okay, we'll let her, you know, do paid spots here. Um, So it helped me in that way. Uh, But other than that, it hasn't. you know, I don't have a sitcom or what, you know, how it used to do in the old days. Uh, (laughs) That's what I'm told, you know, but what happened was I do a lot of festivals, which um, I would recommend any new comic do Uh, apply to these festivals um, because you, uh, you know, you go to different cities, you travel, you meet other comedians, you basically just grow your friend group nationwide. And then whenever you go to those cities, you have someone to reach out to, to be like, Hey, do this, this, and this show. Um, and then you have a buddy to get drinks with, but anyway, (laughs) it all comes back to the drinking. Oh boy. (laughs) Anyway. So I, uh, I did this festival called the women in comedy festival in Boston. And, um, I've done it, I think three, maybe four times. I love that festival. It's run by good people and it, they take over the whole city basically in, uh, Boston and every venue is basically women on stage telling jokes. It's, it's wonderful. And um, the last night I was there, I was doing a showcase and Jessica Pilot uh, came there with Eric Bergstrom, who was running his set for late night. Uh, They were about to tape it. And so he was doing five minutes, but then I went up right before him. And so she was in the audience and watching. And I um, so, so I was like, oh, God. And so I did my 10 minutes clean. I only had like seven minutes clean. I didn't have a lot of clean material still don't. Um, but I was, uh, so I did those, uh, jokes and I came off stage. I had a good set. And then afterwards I saw her and she made eye contact 
And then she looked back down at her phone and I was like, okay, so she didn't, she didn't like it. That's okay. Um, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, not who gives a shit, but like, you'll, you'll send a tape in a year with more material when it's a little more honed. It's not the end of the world, you know? And, um, and then we get back to New York. Um, my friend had to drop out of a, a show. And so she recommend, recommended me. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Whatever. It was five minutes. I had to go to work right after as an art handler. So I'm in my work gear. Like I'm in my work, like they're basically shitty pants and like everything short of a tool belt is what I'm wearing. <laughs> and, um, so I get there, I'm sitting, she's like, you're going to do five minutes and you're going second. And I was like, okay. And then Jessica pilot, the booker of Colbert comes in again and she sits down, makes eye contact then goes back into her phone. And I'm just like, oh man, now I got to go through this again. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and do clean. I'm just going to, I'm too tired. She's already seen my clean jokes. She did. She wasn't interested and that's fine. So I'm just going to do what I do. And so I went up there. I was filthy. I mean, disgusting. And yeah. I did crowd work. <laughs> I, um, I was a mess. Yeah. Not a mess. I had a great set, but I was just not, not late night at all. Um, and then I got off stage and she ran up to me and she was like, I would love to work with you. And, uh, then that's how we started talking. And then I think two, maybe three months later, we taped Colbert. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was all very sudden. Uh, and, uh, she was like, oh, I saw you at the women in comedy festival and I wanted to say hi, but I wasn't sure, you know, but you seemed busy or something like that. She was like, she's very sweet. She's like the loveliest woman. And uh, she was like worried about uh, like disrupting me. And I was like, no, 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 you can interrupt me whenever you want. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very surreal and crazy. And like within a week I had like hammered down a set and then she was like, OK, give me a tape in two weeks. And I hammered down that set, got her a tape. And then we just ran around the city for a few for like a month and um, and we figured out the set and then we taped it and it was awesome. It was very, very fun. And it was a pre-taping. So it was I wasn't on the show. They did. Um, I don't know if you know this about Colbert, but the way that they film it is um, they do a comedy night at Ed Sullivan Theater. And so they take four or five comics who are who have been chosen uh, by Jessica to do a set and um on a friday when colbert isn't there um they have everybody come you get your own dressing room and then they tape it so they tape your five minute set they invite anyone you could ever want to invite they're like here's free tickets bring 20 of your closest friends you know and so a lot of my my family was able to come my friends were able to come um it was really really exciting and then um they they pre-taped it. I went first, which was fun. And, um, it was mostly a relief cause I was done. You know, <laughs> I didn't have to think about it anymore. And, um, we taped, uh, and then, uh, within three weeks they aired it. And, uh, it's great because it's like, if you're a first time late nighter, there's a little less pressure. It's more of just doing a show in a big theater. You know, whereas if you're doing like Fallon, you have to show up and then you might not get to do it that night. They might not have time. So you, they bump you, you know, so it's like, ah, there's a, this extra layer of worry. Um, 
and it's live. There's no redos. You can't come back and try again, you know? So, um, so it was really nice, but then they wait to air it. So you don't know when they're going to air it. They basically fill it in when they have time or they need to fill time. And so I had friends wait two months for theirs to go on. I had Steve waited six, I think. And my friend waited nine. She waited nine months before her Colbert aired. And then a couple people taped right before the pandemic. And then they had to wait to retape after the pandemic. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Why they retape it? Yeah. When they already, because it was, um, the jokes are different now. You know, you can't really do like a, oh, everyone's dying joke, you know, and then uh, the pandemic happens and like, oh, almost a million people in this nation died, you know, like, it's, right. yeah, the jokes have a little bit less of um, or have a, a different twist to it now, you know, yeah. so you got to make sure that all those and to Jessica's credit, she made sure everybody who didn't get to air got to retape and is now coming out. So I love Jessica. I think she's really great. And she's been so supportive of me um, and women. She really supports a lot of women. So go Jessica pilot. You're the best. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like such a cool experience. Um, and it's interesting because I didn't know that there was like, we've only talked to, we talked to Isabel Hagen who'd been on late mm-hmm. night. Also, we talked to her about it. Um, but we haven't brought, talked about it much on the show. And I didn't realize there were like such differences between like the way that, um, late night shows are taped with yeah. their stand-up sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. Just- yeah. Each show is different. And I know um, I should send you guys in the way of Kenise Mobley, very funny comic. Um, she just taped Fallon, but she taped it during the pandemic. So it's a completely different experience from anything that we had. So she taped it remotely in a club on a rooftop. So oh, she, wow. she might be one you want to talk to about that experience. <laughs> Yeah. Always. Always she is your podcast. podcast i feel like she, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she is literally the, the description <laughs> exactly yeah so i would i would definitely reach out to her speaking of the pandemic how does how was your comedy very smooth that Thank was you so, much. so smooth oh my goodness i mean <laughs> okay oprah let's go come on i know that Those wasn't transition <laughs> that wasn't an obvious transition at all no it was good it was no, good Solid. Um, i'm proud of you carly thank you so much um i've worked my whole life to get here i understand that Mm -hmm. but how do you think how was comedy during the pandemic for you like were you on zoom were you going to weird locations what 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 was the vibe what's going on i did it all i um yeah i was so the first two weeks i don't think we did anything because there was nothing to do everybody was just like oh this will just last a little bit who cares you know and we'll take a little two week vacation. And then me and Steve, of course, we were like, we're going to set up a schedule. This is going to be our writing schedule and blah, 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 blah. And then we ended up just drinking every night and uh, <laughs> doing puzzles. It was just like, we were cute. That was cute. Um, so for the first two weeks, we didn't do anything because we really didn't think it would last. And then they then the news came out that it was just getting worse. <laughs> and we were like, oh, um, and so then we started doing Zoom shows which were fun. I did not mind them at all. The first one I did, I was like, what the fuck is this? But it ended up being a lot of fun. Um, and I don't, I, I did a zoom show two nights ago. Uh, it's fine. 
I did it on my phone. There were Zoom bombers who were these immature teenagers who were just like, whatever, period, blood, you know, and you're just like, yeah, ah, you know, <laughs> and um, but God bless them and their little gamer chairs. They look like nerds. Uh, <laughs> it's just like what you're bragging that you play Fortnite that much. Get out of here. Um, yeah. And so they uh, so we did Zoom shows at first. Um, and then we were getting booked on a lot of Zoom shows. It became like a regular thing. Uh, and they did Zoom open mics. We would do Zoom um, like writing sessions with friends, which were really productive. Um, and then uh, then the summer came around and people started doing park shows. And those were great. Those were so fun. I had a I have a car. And so it was really fun to zip around and go to all these different places where they were doing outdoor venues and um, it was, it was really fun. I liked the park shows. I mean, literally you're so starved for comedy when it becomes an obsession, like it did with me. You're just like, I'll do anything. I'll try anything once. Um, and so it was a gradual progression from, um, you know, zoom to park to rooftop, you know, like you would just go anywhere. And then I, um, eventually started going on the road with Brian Regan. Uh, because he started working clubs and he uh, needed a host. And I, Steve is a regular opener for him. And so I got to tag along and work and host for these shows because I only, again, had like 10 minutes clean. <laughs> Although I, I will say Brian Regan clean is uh, much different from no, like regular clean. It's a completely different, not completely different, but it's a little bit more strict. Um, like with Brian, there is no like, sexual innuendo it is uh no bodily functions no politics um so it's very much uh a different beast i would say <laughs> um but it was still so fun and i learned so much but you were doing like we were doing like distance shows within clubs um so that was cool and we would travel the country um to a lot of places who were taking it very seriously and some people who were not <laughs> taking it seriously at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Alabama, they don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> they just did not care. Um, and it showed, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was fun. Like I learned a lot during the pandemic. It was literally like learning to compete with every distraction imaginable. Uh, during your set. So when you're in a park, I think Jay Jordan has a great joke about it. He was like, yeah, I learned to compete with um, a dog. Like, <laughs> am I funnier than this dog? Like, <laughs> and it was so true. Like you had to deal with that. You had to deal with people just having a party in the park and getting hammered off of White Claw. And you're like, well, this is an ambush show now, you know? So <laughs> it was, uh, it was really fun. Um, would I do it again? No, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be like, I choose to do shows in the park again, but they were for the time. It was amazing. It was magical. I'm so grateful for Stand Up New York for putting those on and really starting that trend because then it became more and more normalized. And we were doing rooftops and barbecues and, you know, backyards. It was it was really great. That's awesome. Do you think Zoom is here to stay or do you think it's going to kind of Go I, I think it's I think it's here to stay. I uh, I like I said I just did a Zoom show. I think for the corporate world, a lot of people are doing the stay at home 
like your work. Um, and so they're doing, I know, but they're doing, you know, zoom, you know, happy hours and zoom, uh, you know, holiday parties. I've done so many zoom holiday parties. I could just, I mean, they paid (laughs) my rent one year, you know, it's just, it's, uh, and I'm not complaining. I'll do a zoom show. I got the setup. I'm ready. You know, I got my little headphones in. Let's do this. I'll make you yuck. Uh, but also I think it's really great for podcasts. Uh, I can get literally any guest I want now. Um, and so I tell a lot of comedians, just get a microphone because I think the zoom podcast will make you so much more bookable. It's going to be so easy to just get more bookings if you have a proper setup, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're clearly a fan of the zoom podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do mine on zoom. It's so easy. It's so easy. You get free video. I mean, right. ugh, it's perfect. I love the Zoom podcast. I'm never going back. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever do our podcast in person because it's so much easier to get yeah. people being like, hey, like, could you hop on Zoom for 45 minutes mm-hmm. versus like, want to come all the way to this location and then sit there and then we'll also do the podcast yeah. and then you can go all the way home. Like, mm-hmm. it's a much easier sell to be like, just, we'll just go on Zoom. And exactly. Exactly. In your pajamas. No one cares. Like it's- I'm literally in my workout clothes right now. <laughs> After this, I'm going on my Peloton. I'm going to go whoom, 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 and I'm going to get huh. thin. Thank you. And then I'm going to make myself lunch and then I'm going to drive to New Jersey for a show. It's wonderful. I love Zoom. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. They should book me. I mean, seriously, I will ambassador. Yeah, I will. I'll do it. If it pays, I will show you my right titty. I don't give a shit. All right. Let's go, baby. We love this energy. Um, (laughs) It's mad zoom energy. (laughs) Um, But speaking of doing stuff now and shows and shows combined with zoom, what are you up to these days? And how has your life changed in comedy now that we're post pandemic? ish um well i uh (laughs) a lot has changed actually i'm very knock on wood happy to report i'm happy whoa you know who says that thank you so much (laughs) um a big part of it was uh i feel like before the like i said before the pandemic i was kind of in a holding pattern i was depressed about it i felt like i wasn't going i didn't have anything to look forward to you know everything all of my dreams seemed very far away Um, and they still seem very far away, but it's a little bit more, man, like I have a new appreciation for what I do now. Um, so the day after everything reopened, I think it was April 2nd, everything reopened on April 3rd, I got to audition for the comedy seller, um, which is just like, you know, every comic stream, I think it's right up there with late night, you know, getting to work for the comedy seller. And I know it was mine. Like I remember before I even started doing comedy, I would go to the comedy cellar on Wednesdays, sit in the very back and watch Dave Attell, who is my favorite comedian, um, perform. And I would be like, maybe one day I'll do an open mic, you know, and just and then we go through this pandemic for a year and a half where you're like, oh, the one thing I do love in this world is comedy. And there's a chance that it might never come back, um, or at least not in the way that I was hoping or expected, you know? And, uh, so to be able to the day after everything reopens to just have that huge opportunity, uh, I was so grateful. I was, uh, and it, I was so grateful that I, it was like, even if I don't get it, 
at least I know I was good enough to try, you know, to almost, I was good enough to almost get it. You know what I mean? Um, but I ended up passing. Uh, and so I started, yeah, I know what, a, how was that going to end? You know, <laughs> could you imagine if I was, and then I failed, um, <laughs> uh, what a roller coaster. Uh, no, I passed. And, um, and so then I started working a lot at this, uh, club and then other clubs, uh, they all opened up. And so it's really just, the uh, the pandemic helped me realize how much I truly love this. I really, really love it on the highest level. Um, and it like reinforces that, okay, this is, you are in the right place. You are doing what you love. You're not going to go into real estate. This is what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> because during the pandemic, you're like, well, what did I make the right choice? I'm so broke. I, uh, you know, I have no money. I have no, I'm not essential. <laughs> so what am I? And, um, so it was, uh, so I've been working a lot at the clubs, starting to do the road again. And whenever I get grumpy about it, I just have to remember, Hey, a year ago, you would have murdered someone in order to be this grumpy right now, you know? So yeah. let's, uh, so there's a new appreciation and I'm so, 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 so grateful for pretty much every spot that I get. So that's where I am. I'm being a, I'm, being a little pussy about it, <laughs> being a pussy about my true love, stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. And it's honestly like, it is such an optimistic outlook in a weird way. Like I would have killed to be this grumpy before. And yeah. I, like that's so real. Yeah. yeah. I would have, I would have given my kidney in order to have like five shows that I have to run to, you know, like <laughs> tonight, I think I have like, I have a show in New Jersey that's an hour away. And then I have like five city spots right after that. And I'm just like two days ago when I was planning this, I was like, oh, why did I do this to myself? And then I was just like, because it's what you love. You know, like <laughs> this is your dream. <laughs> and uh, it was just uh, like a year ago that Caitlin would have been like, you stupid bitch, do it with a smile on your face. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> Remember sitting here watching the fucking Property Brothers being like, I'll never own a home, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's insane. So it's perspective. The pandemic has truly helped with perspective and it has made me happier. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> so all those people died just for that. So thank you so much uh, for your sacrifice. No, that's a joke. That's obviously a joke. Jesus Christ. You guys looked at me like I was a monster. Um, <laughs> what a bitch. She is a loud bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So ending now. Okay. <laughs> so goodbye. Um, <laughs> we'll never air the podcast. Mute. <laughs> terrible um yeah <laughs> exactly no really that's just such it's everything has just changed so much in the past year and you're doing such amazing stuff in comedy like do you have any advice that someone's given you that you think has really helped you on your way or do you have advice that you would give to other people who are pursuing stand-up um yeah I think I think uh, for people who are um, just starting out, I think you really have to throw your whole self into it um, to see if it sticks. So um, 
if you're not willing to do the, you know, three mics a night, you know, or 20 mics a week or something like that. A lot of people say like, oh, that's crazy. That's not for some people, but I feel like it helped me a lot uh, getting up that often um, just because it made me realize that it's something that I really want to do. I'm willing to, I was look, if you're looking forward to it, night five, still getting on stage after five nights in a row, um, then that's a good sign because you don't want to go through doing one mic every other week for five years and then being like, well, why aren't I better? You know, like, why don't I, why am I not on SNL? It's like, you need to, and then discovering that you're like, oh, I should go into real estate. That's my true passion. No, (laughs) just find out within the first year, get up like a maniac as often as you can and see if it's something that you want to do. Because I feel like the first two years, it's a real, not a test, but it, Yeah, I would say actually it is a test. The first two years is a test. Like how badly do you want to do the act of stand-up comedy? Because you're going to have some very terrible shows. You're going to have shows where people don't listen to you. There's, you're going to have to compete with a boxing machine in a corner at some shitty Irish pub, you know, like how, how hard are you willing to work for this? Um, And if you can find that out within the first year of doing comedy, then I would say, you're not wasting your time and you're not wasting anyone else's time. You're just kind of, you're either reinforcing that this is your passion and what you love, or you're finding out that it's not in fact what you want or love. And that's also okay. You know, it's like, there's so many people who are just like, Oh, I'll go up once a week for three years. And I'm, that's it, you know? And, uh, and you're just kind of, you're just taking up spots from someone who's just like really, really hungry. So just be hungry that first year. Let yourself be hungry. Let yourself be a loser. And all you do is talk about stand-up comedy, (laughs) you know, like just (laughs) that I've, I look back now and I realize that that helped me so much. Um, and the people who I still am in contact with, um, were also doing that at the same time I was doing that. And those people are still doing comedy and, um, looking back, the people who were there once every other week or once a week or twice a week you know, I don't, I don't see those people anymore. So, which is fine. That's fine. It's okay. But you can get there a lot faster if you let yourself be obsessed with it for a year. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not trying to sound like a fucking, you're not tough enough. Like that's not what it is. Just literally just do it. If you have the means to do, if you're young enough and you're able to do that sacrifice, like you work a nine to five every day, once a week or not once a week, once a night, get up, find an open mic, do one or two open mics for a year and see if, and by, you'll know by month three, if you want to be a stand up comic, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I also That's feel like it's funny. Point. Like I was telling Carly literally today, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> hi, I'm Carly. Uh- <laughs> remember Carly, she's here from the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I was telling Carly today though, where I was like, even on like, I could have the worst day in the entire world at work and still be like excited to go do comedy like Mm -hmm. any day of the week. Um, so it really is such a, like you figure out if you're willing to do like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like I was talking to people from work who were like, I have a hard day and I like close my laptop and I just like hang out and drink for the rest of the day. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I 
could like I just I feel like I need to go out and do comedy or my day has not been done exactly Um, you find out what your career really is is it the nine to five at the desk or is it going out afterwards you know what which one are you working towards yeah uh and you that's you just have to do it you have to really sacrifice that time in order to figure out if it's what you really want yeah for sure Hell yeah. Uh, Get out there. Do it out there. Don't drink your life away. Go fucking do your stand up comedy. Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's our advice. No matter who you are, get up on stage every night. Mm -hmm. Um, No, don't get up on stage. Don't take our spots unless you want them. Um, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Um, anyway, we are coming to a close, um, timing wise, unfortunately. Um, but before we end, is there anything coming up for you that you would like to promote? If our podcast listeners have loved listening to you as much as we've loved talking to you, where can they find you? Um, the best place to find me is, uh, my Instagram, uh, Caitlin Palufo, um, at Caitlin Palufo. Very simple. Um, (laughs) That's where I post my shows that I do during the week. So all my club spots, that's where I'm going to post them. I just started reposting them. Um, I wasn't doing it for a while because I uh, just was being lazy and multiple people have been like, where are you performing? And I was like, well, that's harder to do. So I'll just make a list. So I make a list every week and tells people where I'm going to be if you're in the city. And then if you're not in this, uh, my club dates, um, I have on CaitlinPalufo.com. Um, and then I also have a podcast called good time gal with Caitlin Palufo. It's about drunk stories. Um, I, whew, I love drinking. So it's about silly, fun, drunk stories. They're very, they're short. Um, and, uh, yeah. So listen to that. That's, that's fun. Do that. Yeah. Everybody should do that. And that's on Instagram at good time gal pod. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Thank you. This was great. Thank you for having me. This was very fun. I hope I didn't sound like a preachy maniac. That wasn't. No, it was yeah. amazing. Okay. Thank you for listening to laughing your mask off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review to keep up with our hosts. Follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week. <laughs>